All right, Mama, we're back. We are continuing our series on how to stay married and have kids, and I'm excited. Oh, we're wrapping up the mindset portion. I know I keep saying that. There's just so much mindset work to do behind marriage. I, I, I genuinely think that is the biggest, the biggest problem, right? We can we can look at tools. We can work, look at this like practical physical stuff that we need to work on. And that, that stuff is absolutely important, but there's just so much mindset work to do because culture is just against us here. It, it's against how to have a healthy view of our husbands. It's against how to have a healthy view of marriage. And so this is a struggle. So I have just been loving pouring into this space and I'm going to try and hop right in because I know I always end up talking too long and I'm ready to get to the practical because I know you need that. Um, so yeah, are you ready for this? Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. All right, Mama, so excited to dive in with you today. Here we go. We're wrapping up the final portion of how to shift our mindsets in our marriage. And uh, kind of what we're talking about today is based on the idea that what I think is the number one reason that so many marriages are unhappy right now, and that's we have fallen into culture's mindset of how to view men, how to view our husbands. And um, to boil it down, this goes back to uh, critical theory, which is a big theory that uh, has infiltrated our culture as a whole. There's a lot more information about it. You can go back. Uh, let's see. I have some more information in episodes. Where did they go? Well, I said it in one of my other episodes, so you probably already found it. <laughs> I think. Here we go. 94.95. 94.95. I break it down a lot more about what critical theory is and why we need to care about it because you know, as David Foster Wallace said, uh, it's the water we're swimming in, right? Like he didn't say that specifically about critical theory, but he talked about how culture is like this water we're swimming in. Like we don't recognize often what is around us, what ideas are, are getting into us because it's like a fish in water and the fish doesn't know he's in water. And so culture is like that. It's, it's this water we're swimming in, but we don't realize we're swimming in it. We don't see the water because it's just there. (laughs) Right. And so we've got to take a minute, take a step back and look at what that water is. What are those ideas we're ingesting? And so that's what we're doing here is, is looking at that and diving into some of the specifics of how this mentality shows up in our marriage, because critical theory uh, poses this idea that every single interaction has both an oppressor and the oppressed in it. And again, we're not talking like there is real oppression in our world, and we're not talking about that. We're talking about how this mindset has 
infiltrated our marriages. And so now we often view our husbands as oppressors, which we wouldn't use that language, but we might view it as unfair or, you know, he doesn't care or like he thinks the woman should do it or the mom should do it. Right. Like these assumptions that is viewing, that's kind of going into that category of viewing, viewing him as the oppressor. And then it also goes to our side of things and viewing ourselves as victims. And that is not how God calls us to see ourselves. That's not how we are called to live our lives. And I referenced in the last episode, go dive into Danny Silk's book, get your love on, keep, turn your love on, keep, keep your love on. I still didn't, I can't remember the title. One of those, if you look up Danny Silk, you'll find it, but he talks a lot about empowered language and, and it is so essential. So that's what we're, we're kind of diving into here. And I encourage you to go back and listen to all of the rest of the episodes we've done. It's just going to kind of give you a bigger picture of what we're talking about here. But you know, in the last episode, I talked a lot about viewing our husbands through, uh, the gap so let me let me throw out another book that I encourage you to read. This is called the The Gap and the Gain, and it talks all about how, as high achievers, and I think just most people, we we are always focused on what is lacking, right? If we have a goal of thirty and we make it to twenty two, where a lot of us are so distraught, like oh, I missed that eight right? I miss the mark. I'm missing that eight. And and then our, our levels of expectation and ideals are always rising. And so we never actually reach that, that place where we're satisfied and fulfilled and and we, we're happy with the progress. And I think we don't just do this with ourselves, but we also do it with each other specifically in our marriages. And so we're always viewing our husbands through this gap, what he's lacking, what he's not doing, what he's missing, how he's failing. And so you know, when you read this book and I'm only kind of just getting into it, but my pastor also described it to all of us in our staff meeting uh, last week. And when we focus on the gap, it actually deteriorates our progress. It it limits it. When we, when we're focused on the gain and, and believing that what we're doing is making a difference, it actually helps us do better. And it actually changes our biology. There's some crazy examples in the book of how when we focus on the gain, it actually changes how our body processes food and, and, um, how I can't remember all the examples, but it's, it's incredible. It literally changes our biology. So we think about this and we think about how we're viewing our husbands always through this gap, what they're failing to do. And so when we're viewing them that way, we're going to communicate that way. So whether we're intentional with this or not, like our words are going to focus on that gap. Now I know for myself, I don't realize I'm doing this as much as I do. There's so many days where my husband is in a bad mood or kind of disconnected from me. And I finally can like stop him and be like, Hey, what is going on? Like, tell me. And he's like, I just feel like all you're doing is criticizing me. I just feel like all you're doing is, is telling me what I'm not doing. Right. And, and when he stops me and says that, like, I'm genuinely in shock a lot of times. I'm like, what? I wasn't doing that what are you talking about? Like, I have absolutely no idea that that's what I'm doing. And then I I pause and I look back and I think, okay, well, yeah, I guess I did say like, oh yeah, why why is dinner, you know, it's a little behind. The kids are going to get to bed late. Right. And I like, you know, say, oh, you didn't hug me right when you came in the door. Right. And so there's like genuine like things, things to work on, but, but I, thing after thing after thing, I've just, it was, it was all focused on the gap, what he didn't do. I didn't say like, Hey babe, welcome home. Thank you for working hard for us all day long. 
right? I just (laughs) didn't say that. I didn't say, wow, thanks for starting dinner. You're amazing for cooking, right? I didn't say that. I don't say like, wow, you must be tired. You just worked so hard for us. I don't say, wow, good job hugging the kids and loving on them when you came in the door, right? I'm focused on all of the things he's missing. And so I think so many of us need to be ready to do this, this self-evaluation because it's going to happen. It's happening more than we realize. And I know, again, I'm not the only one doing this. Like I know there's some friends I got with me. And so when we see our husbands this way, we're going to communicate this way. And so that's also like, if you're, if you're ending up your, if your husband's feeling like you're being critical of him, this is probably where it's coming from, where you're not even realizing you're doing it, but it's because you're viewing him out of the gap. You're viewing him out of what's missing. You're viewing him out of the assumption that he's against you. And so we have to really work on viewing him differently, right? First of all, but also what happens, right? So that's affecting him. Like we're viewing him through this light. We're communicating through that light. And then what happens is that it's going to impact his desire and ability to show up. Like, just like I was saying, when we, when we focus on the gap, it, it limits us and, and, and makes things not as effective. So if, if he's always getting the communication that he's missing the mark, that he's not doing a good job, that, that he's failing, it's not going to make him do better like we want it to. It's not actually helping him grow. It's actually going to do the opposite. It's going to feed him this message that he is not good enough, that he cannot succeed, that even though he might try, he continues to fail. And so he is going to eventually get the message. Why should I even try? I keep trying and I keep failing. Why am I going to keep showing up? And so if you are like listening to my examples and thinking, well, no, that doesn't apply to my husband because he just literally doesn't help. He just literally doesn't do anything. You know, I wonder what happened before this? Like, is this something that you've created? Is this something you've contributed to? And now we all have a choice to make, but like, just think of when you're at a job and you're being micromanaged and that boss is just relentless and focused on all the things you're missing and they want things perfect and you turn something in and they're just correcting every little thing. Like it makes it hard to work. It makes it hard to want to submit things. It makes it hard to keep going. It makes it hard to be at that job. Like you just are miserable, right? And you don't feel good enough and you're constantly triggered and you're constantly feeling like on edge, like, are you going to get fired or is what you're doing going to be good enough? And then it slows you down your progress because you're overthinking every step of things, right? Think about that. But that's exactly what we're doing to our husbands, when we're correcting every little thing they do and focus on all the bad things, like they are exhausted trying to figure out how to do things perfectly for us, how to get it just right, how to, to please us, how to satisfy us, like that they just feel like they can't do that. And so when they, they hit that so much, they're going to eventually stop trying. They're going to eventually not want to be like, that they figure if they're just going to be criticized anyways, they might as well not try. Like they might as well not show up. And now this is probably not a conscious thought that they're making, but it's like this, this progression that as they continue to receive this message, it's going to drive them to that place. And so not only is this not how we want to show up as wives, but it's actually contributing to the problem. 
when we view things this way and communicate this way, it's contributing to the problem because it's going to contribute to our husbands not wanting to show up. Because it's hard to. Like, genuinely, put yourself in that sh- those shoes when you just can't get it right. Right? And, and I think this is like where it goes back to this idea of we're treating our husbands like oppressors. Like, like we're, we're constantly questioning them. We're constantly demeaning their efforts. We're critical with them. We don't trust them. We don't appreciate their contribution. We treat them like they're evil, right? Like <laughs> sometimes we do. Like one little comment that he didn't mean to say in that way and we're like... How could you say it to me? I can't believe you would say that, right? I could get into this. So I just want to pose the idea. You know, I got a lot of questions that came in or examples that came in saying like, hey, my husband's always asking me like what to do. Like he should know what to do. My my husband's asking me if the food is the right temperature for the baby. My husband's asking me what to do with the kids. My my husband's asking me all these things. And I I get it. Like, I have felt that before. Actually, when my baby was first born, I kept telling my husband, like, I don't want to be the conductor. (laughs) I felt like a conductor. Like, I was the one orchestrating it all. And now, a couple shifts here. One, I think I am the conductor. In terms of our kids, because that's my job, right? I asked to be a stay-at-home mom, so I am the conductor. Like, that's my job. Now, I have other jobs too, right? I, I have this business. I have ministry. I have, but, but part of what my role is that I have chosen is to be the conductor, to know the things. That's great. So first of all, that, right? We already talked about that mindset shift. And also, could it be, could it be that our husbands ask us so many questions because we are constantly criticizing them? Could it be that they don't feel secure in making decisions because we're constantly belittling their efforts? Could it be that they are scared to mess up, right? Have they ever, have you ever gotten angry at them for messing up? Have you ever gotten frustrated at them for, for messing up the schedule, for messing up the milk, for messing up whatever, right? Like they don't want to mess up our plans. They feel insecure. They don't want to get us mad. And so they look to us. You can, you can see that. Imagine like someone, you know, constantly asking for reassurance and constantly asking for like simple answers, right? That shows like a sign of insecurity, a sign of anxiety. And so when we see that in any other circumstance, like, you know, a, a friend that can't make decisions without you, like you can see that, that anxiety. But I think we've created that anxiety. Because we have all of these specific rules and specific ways of doing things. And we do that all the time, right? Like that's like for a lot of us, I know some of you are working full time, so it might look different. But for a lot of us, that is like we know it because we do it every day in and out. And so when they come in for a minute and try and do it, like they're trying to remember, right? Like, what did she say? And I don't know about you, but I change sometimes. Like I change the rules, like the rules are changing about when the naps change, right? Especially in that first year, right? Like naps are constantly changing. Or I notice, like one day, oh, the baby went to bed 
went to bed better at this time. And so now I've shifted bedtime to this time and I don't communicate that to him. And so he's like trying to remember and he goes to the last time that I communicated something to him. And then I say, Hey, that's wrong. You're supposed to do it at this time. And he's like, no, you said this time. No, every time you've said this time. And I'm like, no, it's this time. Right. And then I think back and I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I did change that this week. And you haven't really done bedtime this week for this child. So it makes sense that you would assume that, but no, it's wrong. Right. So it's like the rules are constantly changing. They are just trying to support us and they don't want to mess up these grand plans that we have. And so it creates this insecurity in them, this dependence on us, like that dependence that we don't like, we've created it. We've made them feel little. We've made them feel small. We've made them feel unempowered because we have communicated that they can't do anything right because we're focused on all the ways they're failing. Right. And then you also bring in like the other part of this and that like motherhood right now has so many different rules, right? When to feed them, what to feed them, how to feed them, right? What phrases to say, what phrases not to say, when to wake them up, when to let them sleep, how to let them sleep, right? (laughs) What should they wear to bed depending on the temperature, right? Like there's so, there's so much information and that information has created a lot, a lot of complicated rules for motherhood or for parenting, I should say. Now, these rules, like the Bible doesn't teach us these rules. Thou shall put on a long sleeve shirt for the baby if the temperature is between 68 and 72. <laughs> right? Like, thou shall only feed thy baby. Um, my Bible translation doesn't talk like this, but it just, it just feels, it feels right. <laughs> If we're giving this example, right? Like, thou shall not say to thy child that, um, I'm trying to think of an example, uh, right? The Bible is not the ones, these are not God's rules. These are rules that we have created through research that seem to make parenting easier. Now, in some ways, I do think it has made parenting easier in some ways, right? Like, I do like the rules because I am a rule person. I like just like, give me the information, give me the specifics and I'll follow it to a T. And I love that. And so I think there is good in it. And I, I genuinely enjoy a lot of that stuff depending on what it is. Cause I have some opinions about some of it, but anyways, <laughs> I like that. Now, the thing is not everyone's going to like that right? Like my husband is not a rule follower. He doesn't like rules. He likes spontaneity. He likes like more like wobbly lines, you know, not like good and bad, but meaning like he doesn't want to just follow a rigid schedule or follow a rigid set of rules. I like that. I thrive in that. And so now we have these rules that I have said, oh, this is what I want to do, right? I have read the book. I have gone on the Instagram, I whatever it is, right? And I have this set of rules now and I, I'm trying to teach him and make those rules his rules. But what if he wants to parent differently, right? Like, why do we have to go by my rules? Just because I read this book. Well, what if he has other thoughts? Like, like just, just because his thoughts didn't come from my book doesn't mean that they're not in any books, right? And we're not talking about like, you know, deep, stuff about like discipline. And I mean, it, it can go into every category, but what I'm not talking about, like God's rules here, right? We're talking about all the things that are not defined in the Bible that bleed into parenting, right? And now we see 
that some of these things do help us, right? When we get on that sleep routine and we have those set times, it does usually work pretty well. But that doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. And not only that, but those rules are complicated and constantly changing. And so it's like this, you know, I remember when I would leave my baby for a short time when I, you know, my first child, I would write, I literally wrote down, I looked, I found it recently. I had, I think 10 pages of instructions about how to take care of him. And I was, I was genuinely trying to be helpful and not like controlling it. I just wanted to give them the information because I'm like, well, what if he wakes up and they don't know what to do? Like I want to help them have everything they need. Now I think actually looking back, there was probably some control. Like I just wanted him to stay on his sleep schedule and I wanted him to, you know, this to go right and make sure he was dressed in the right clothing with the fan on and (laughs) it just gets crazy. Right. And so all of this, this feeds us into this place where it's a very different view of parenting than I think any generation before us has had, right? Any other generation, there has been wisdom that has been passed down, right? There has been some books for sure. Absolutely. But the level of information and details that we have in this era of parenting is unlike anything else that anyone has experienced. And so when we impose that on our husbands and say, this is how you have to do it. And we get mad at them when they don't, when they mess it up, when they forget it, when they're not doing it right, they just are walking on eggshells all of the time. And we know that nothing good, nothing healthy, nothing genuine and pure is going to come out of someone feeling like they have to walk on tiptoes all the time. And like, they're always going to mess up. And if they just do the slightest thing wrong, right? Like I remember my first baby, I would write down the exact minute that baby woke up, right? (laughs) 1253. No, 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 not one o'clock, 1253, which means you got to go down at two 13 or I don't know. You know what I mean? So we, I just want to say for so many of us, more of us than we would like to admit, we have created these situations and now we're paying the price for it. So we have, and this is a whole other episode. We'll go into it more, but through this, we have treated them like children. Now, as we back away from this, we want to also make sure we're not treating them like children on the other side where we're like, oh yeah, you, you can figure it out. Like, I don't know. I could, I just imagine like us going the opposite direction and being like, well, you know, you're, you're just figuring this out. You can do it your own way. I'll I'll let you, I'll let you do that. Right. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about mutual respect, right? Just like we want mutual respect from him. We need to respect him. I think there's so many of us lacking that, right? Like women have been fighting for this respect and like wanting it, feeling like they deserve it. And so now that we have this respect, most of us have it. And now we think that we should almost like pay back the men and show them disrespect. That's not God's way. That is not God's way. Okay. So we've got to treat them with respect. We've got to speak life into them. We're going to talk more about that. That's kind of more getting into the practicals. But I just want to encourage you. Your job is not to worry about if he is being faithful, not not faithful to you, but like as in faithful with 
his role as a husband and a father, right? Like that is not your job. Your job is to be a faithful wife, to be a faithful mom. And in that job, that means that you communicate. You communicate when you feel overwhelmed, right? Like how many of us, and again, this is dipping into communication, which we'll get to, but how many of us, when we're overwhelmed, we just immediately are like already frustrated. Like he should know that I'm overwhelmed and he should already be helping me versus being like, babe, I, I just feel so overwhelmed right now. And I don't know what to do. And it's, it's, I'm really having a hard time staying calm because there's all of these different things. And, oh, I'm just, it's just a lot. Okay. How is he going to respond to that? Now, again, I know there's situations where maybe a husband won't respond well to that, which I will say that's because he's in pain. So you got to get to like, what is underneath that is, does he not know how to help you? Does he not feel like he can do anything right? You know, like what, what is underneath that? Um, but I think for most of us, if we go into that, that conversation that way, talking about, I feel overwhelmed. I just don't know what to do. Now, if if he thinks that you saying that is talking about him, like (laughs) saying that he's not doing good enough, then he could be, he could get triggered in that, which is not your responsibility, but that, that could lead to that. But I think for most of us, our husbands are going to be like, babe, like, let me help you. Or, or we can even ask for help. Like, Hey, I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I need some help. Right. He's most likely not going to be like, you just need to handle it on your own. You're exaggerating. You're being dramatic. Like that sounds more like an abusive relationship if he's saying those kind of things. And I think majority of us are not in that. And so that is what we're called to do. And I'm not saying that in the midst of the chaos of motherhood, you need to just do it all alone and suck it up, buttercup. Like I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to view things differently. We need to get out of victim mindset. We need to step into empowered language, empowered thinking. We need to step into gratitude, both for like gratitude that we get to carry these responsibilities, gratitude for what he's doing. And then we need to communicate and talk about the division of labor and talk about how we can do this as a team and talk about what that looks like. And in the midst of that, we are going to find that peace we're looking for right? Like that happy marriage that we're looking for. And again, it's not that simple. There's, there's more to it all. <laughs> marriage is complicated. Makes sense. Cause like just being human is complicated. So then you bring two humans into becoming one, right? That's it's complicated. And then you bring in kids. So now you're parenting also. It's just, there's a lot of layers to it. And that's why there's so many episodes on this, <laughs> but I just want to encourage you. Marriage is not meant to be an equal partnership. I know that sounds wrong. I don't know. What I mean by equal is like, it's exactly on one side, what it's exactly on the other side. Like it's not meant to be this fair, perfect thing. It's meant, it's a means by which God shapes us into who we were made to be. It's a way that we reflect God's love for his church. That even when the other is imperfect, right? God loved us even when we were imperfect and he chose love. He chose faithfulness. And so in the midst of that, as, as our partner is imperfect, we choose love. We choose faithfulness. We choose to show up right now. A healthy relationship is, is going to be balanced in that like 
you're both going to carry an equal weight over time. Now there's going to be seasons where he carries more weight. There's going to be seasons where you carry more weight, but it's going to be, you know, give and take that, that you guys both feel good about. But while we want to, we want to aim for that, right? That's a, that's a healthy marriage. We want to get there and we want to do everything we can to have healthy conversations that lead there and, and bring in therapists and pastors to help us get to that place. But ultimately, even if it's not there, our job is not to dip out and back out and say, well, I'm done. This is it. This is not what I signed up for. No, we stick it out because God refines us in it. It's a chance for God to move inside of us and shape us into who he made us to be. And yes, it can hurt like nothing else. And it can be extremely lonely. But that helps remind us that really our only source of hope is God. Like he is the only thing that fills us, right? It's not this Disneyland fairy tale of a marriage. It's not getting everything perfect. It's not feeling like things are fair. Like God is our source and that's it. Again, we're fighting for a healthy marriage. We fight for that. We absolutely, God desires a healthy marriage of give and take where you both feel good about it. But we don't just dip out if that's not there. So I hope that this conversation has challenged you, challenged how you look at your spouse, how you look at your marriage, how you look at yourself. And I want you just to like take some time right now. And if you've gone through all these episodes or maybe just this one, I want you just to sit down and and just write out some things that you need to shift. Maybe write out first in one column, the things of how you've been seeing them. Maybe it's how you've been seeing your husband or how you've been seeing the household duties or how you've been seeing parenting or how you've been seeing the, the things that you carry. And then in the second column, I want you to write a reframe. Okay. So that's how you've been seeing them, but what's, what's empowered language? What's, what's, what's a viewpoint through God's lens? What, what's a healthy viewpoint? And I want you to write a new statement that is healthy and whole and based in God's word and based in truth and not in culture, not in pain, not in victimization. Okay. And I want you to begin renewing your mind in Christ in order to get these healthy mindsets so that you can have that healthy marriage because there's, there's no fighting for that healthy marriage. If that perspective is not there, that is the first step. So let me just pray for you. I know, I know it's a lot, but you are courageous and you are strong and you are made for this. You can do this no matter how hard it is, how lonely it feels at times. You can do this and God will come so close to you and he will comfort you and he will give you strength. And as you fight for that health and do whatever it takes, he's going to bring beauty out of it. He's going to bring beauty as you continue to show up. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the gift of marriage. God, I thank you of what you have in store for those of us, God, that see it through and that are ready to show up and do the heavy lifting. God, I just pray for every marriage that's that's hurting, God. I pray you would breathe your life into it. God, I pray that you would bring your healing there. I pray you would bring your restoration, God. I pray for every wife that's been struggling. God, I pray you would show her what mindsets are not in line with your word, God, that are not in line with your will and your way. 
I pray she would have the courage to look at that, God. I pray she would have the courage to do the work, to change that. I pray that she would be able to look at that even if he's a mess on the other side and he is really struggling and he's not showing up as he's how he's called to be, God. I pray that she could, for a moment, put blinders onto that and focus on herself, God, and how she can change and how she's a mess and how she needs to be renewed. God, and I pray that as she does that, God, it would, it would help him do that work on the other side. God, and we just thank you that with you, there is always hope. God, we just declare restoration and healing over every marriage, God, that's represented here, Lord. And we just thank you, God, that you never leave us and you never forsake us, Lord. God, do your mighty work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Mama.